You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and it has now been nine weeks of us staying inside to try and stop the spread of coronavirus. And here's your quarantine tip of the day. Do you want a great way to keep your kids busy and also make some money? Well, teach your kids how to sew face masks. Yeah, and if you're thinking, wait, isn't that just a sweatshop? Don't be ridiculous. It's a sweat home. Anyway, on tonight's episode, beach fashion in the age of corona, why people are getting wet at church, and President Obama takes Trump to school. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Every day our news feeds are bombarded by countless stories of sad coronavirus updates and stories about what celebrities look like now. Either way, it's all depressing. So to help us remember the brighter side of life, let's turn to our ongoing segment, Array of Sunshine. Let's kick it off with the Catholic Church, the place that was rocking robes long before corona. Now, they're known for sticking to old traditions, but in these corona times, even priests are learning to innovate. One priest in Michigan may have found the most unique way to connect with parishioners and social distance at the same time. Photos posted on social media by St. Ambrose Church shows the reverend using a squirt gun to shoot holy water. As you can see, drivers pulled up to the church steps and are greeted by the reverend, who's wearing a face mask, gloves, and holding a bright green gun. He told BuzzFeed News for an article over the weekend that he was a bit concerned about how the Vatican might react when the photos of him squirting holy water began circulating widely on the internet. But he says, quote, I haven't heard anything yet. Okay, hold up. Water gun blessings? That might finally be the thing that gets the church's numbers to go back up again. And it's a great way for other Catholic priests to explain why they have a bunch of kids' toys in their basements. The only way this could be more fun is if they did it with a water balloon, because that way you could watch it in slow motion and see the exact moment when your sins are absolved. I'm saved. You know, this also opens the Catholic Church to much cooler scenes in movies. You know, because normally the Catholic priest is always timid and all they can do is pray. But now when they meet a demon, they can be like, say hello to my little friend. Squirt, 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 squirt. Moving on. Summer is almost here, but this year it will bring a whole new set of challenges. Black people have to figure out how to cook out while social distancing. White people have to go into the sun starting completely from scratch And for kids, every camp is now computer camp. But there is good news for beachgoers who want to practice social distancing, and they can do it in style. The growing use of face masks has inspired a new summer fashion trend, the trikini. Adrian Fuqua is a fashion designer in the South Bay. She's pairing her custom bikinis with matching face masks. How about that? Adrian's business is donating the, a part of their trikini proceeds to Team Rubicon. That is a group of military veterans that delivers meals to seniors. Finally, the trikini, the outfit that's perfect for going to the beach and then robbing a bank. Seriously, though, I love that even during a pandemic, Humanity is adapting so that we can still find a way to post thirst traps. But I would recommend, just to be safe as possible, don't bother with the thong version. It's sexy, but I don't think it works. You know what, though? I bet the more trikinis we see, 
the more people are going to start getting turned on by chins. Because think about it. Like, it's always the hidden parts that people think are hot. Like, if trachinis become a thing, at the end of the day, someone will be taking off their trachini and their partner will be laying in bed like, oh yeah, baby, show me that anterior mandible. Oh my God. And finally, a story from Germany, the country that only has an outside voice. Germans have now found a way for people to enjoy live classical music that is safe for both the performer and the audience. One-on-one concerts with a single musician playing for a single audience member in parks, museums, and airport terminals. So if you love classical music and prolonged awkward eye contact, this is for you. Although this only works for classical music. Cause I mean, I enjoy hip hop, but a solo rap concert feels like a guy is just yelling at you on the beat. Yo, everybody, put your hands in the air. Now everybody scream! Ah. You know, I think this Germany thing is a great idea. The only problem is with classical music, you can never tell when it's over. Yeah. I mean, if you go with a crowd, you can always know because the old people start clapping because they know the songs. But when it's one-on-one, it's gonna be hella confusing. that's it for the sunshine. Let's get straight into the headlines. First up, some major news about that thing we've all been searching for. A video on Pornhub we haven't watched yet. A coronavirus vaccine. This morning, there are promising signs in an early stage vaccine trial. The U.S.-based biotech company Moderna has announced interim phase one results in a trial conducted with the National Institutes of Health. Participants in the human clinical trial have developed antibodies against the virus. That's key because that's exactly what a vaccine is supposed to do. Yeah. And without many side effects so far, that's really good news. And that's why you see the stock market, uh, the Dow here up more than 700 points, because this could potentially be game changing news. That's right. The results of a major coronavirus vaccine trial are out and they are promising because some participants in the trial got antibodies and there were no major side effects, which let's be honest, is a major relief because don't forget, They're fast-tracking this vaccine. So the scientists could have come out like, the results are in, and the good news is all three of Bruce's heads are coronavirus negative. Now, even though this is the really early stages, the stock market went crazy today with everyone trying to invest in this company. And it actually gave me an idea. Anyone who owns a company right now who's struggling, just announce that your product can also maybe help fight coronavirus and you're in the money, baby. Cinnabon could have an ad like, hey, if our Cinnabons can't kill you, what chance does coronavirus have? Now, while most people are waiting for a vaccine, there are some people who think we might not even need one. People like Eric Trump, fetus in its hundredth trimester and the president's fourth favorite son. You see, according to baby Voldemort, coronavirus is actually a hoax that'll go away on its own. And the only reason the media is even talking about it is to steal the White House from his dad. Biden loves this. Biden can't go out on stage without making some horrible blunder. I mean, even from his basement, he's making awful gaffes every single day. So his campaign's thrilled that he's not going out there. And they think they're taking away Donald Trump's greatest tool, which is being able to go into an arena 
and fill it with 50,000 people every single time, right? So they, they will, and you watch, they'll milk it every single day between now and November 3rd, and guess what? After November 3rd, coronavirus will magically all of a sudden go away and disappear, and everybody will be able to reopen. Okay, here's something I don't get. If coronavirus is all a giant scam, then why is Eric Trump doing this interview from his house? A house where, by the way, it looks like he was in the middle of doing a seance. Like, what's up with those candles? Spirits, spirits, wherever you may be, make my father proud of me. Now, according to Eric, this whole coronavirus thing is a conspiracy to prevent his dad from doing big campaign rallies. And I'm, I'm sorry, man, this makes no sense. Donald Trump is the president. So if he thinks coronavirus is all just a bunch of hype and he should be able to do a rally, then my man, go and do a rally. I swear, Trump is the most powerful, least powerful person in the world. I wanna do a rally, but I can't because the doctors will get mad at me. And by the way, we all know coronavirus is not a democratic plot because if Corona was a Democrat, it would have found a way to lose weeks ago. And speaking of Donald Trump, the president isn't spending all his time not dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. He's also keeping busy with other important parts of his job, undermining democracy. Overnight, there was another shakeup in the administration. The State Department Inspector General Steve Linick is being fired, the fourth IG to be let go in recent weeks. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Elliot Engel says the watchdog opened an investigation into Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and accused the president of an unlawful act of retaliation. Linick had launched an investigation into Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and whether, according to a congressional aide, Pompeo and his wife had misused a political appointee for personal tasks. The IG was looking into whether Pompeo made a member of his staff, a political appointee, walk his dog, pick up his dry cleaning, and make reservations for the secretary and his wife. Wow. President Trump has fired his fourth inspector general in just the last few weeks. And what makes this firing extra suspicious is that this inspector general was in the middle of investigating Mike Pompeo for using his official staff to do unofficial things, such as walk his dog and do his laundry. And I'm sorry, man, but Pompeo had to know he was gonna get caught. Sending people to pick up his dry cleaning? I mean, he's the only person in Washington whose shirts have a four foot wide neck hole. What did he think was gonna happen? So once again, Trump has fired somebody who's supposed to be providing oversight on his administration, which still makes no sense to me. I mean, this would be like if a toddler could fire their own babysitter. I'm sorry, Kimberly, but you're just killing me and Peppa Pig's vibe. You gotta go. Yeah, this whole bedtime thing is trash. All right, I have to go get my pizza delivery downstairs, but when we come back, I'll tell you why Barack Obama was involved in a drive-by. Don't go anywhere. Don't eat it, I'm coming! Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Let's talk about commencement addresses. It's that time of the year when everyone puts on a dress and are told that they're the future of the planet. For much of America, this was graduation weekend. And so prominent celebrities and politicians decided to hold their versions of a virtual commencement speech. And the commencement speaker everyone was talking about is Barack Obama, 44th president of the United States and world's slowest Kenyan. Although his address turned out to be less of a graduation speech and more the world's loudest subtweet. Just as you've been looking forward to proms and senior nights, graduation ceremonies, and let's face it, a whole bunch of parties, the world is turned upside down 
by a global pandemic. This pandemic has fully finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Doing what feels good, what's convenient, what's easy, that's how little kids think. Unfortunately, a lot of so-called grown-ups, including some with fancy titles and important jobs, still think that way, which is why things are so screwed up. You know, it's funny how Obama hides his insults, almost like he doesn't want to get in trouble with Michelle for going low. Uh, now, I agree with Michelle uh, that we're going to go high. So I won't say anything about your mama. I will, however, point out that the person uh, who gave birth to you has reached proportions uh, that could possibly obscure large bodies of light. It's also crazy how Obama never even had to mention Trump by name. Like, that's how you know you've screwed up, when someone could just say, people have no idea what they're doing, and everyone was like, oh yeah, that's Trump, right? That's Trump. Even Trump is like, that's me, totally me. But as subtle as Obama's criticism may have been, it apparently set off a five-alarm outrage fire over at Fox News. It's a commencement speech. It's supposed to be motivational, positive. It's supposed to be about the graduates. This was not the time for what he's doing. And by the way, Barack Obama's not all that articulate. When he reads off a teleprompter, he can be inspiring or off of a speech. But when he's impromptu, the ums and the ahs, it's like, it's impossible to listen to. It's very bad for an ex-president in a crisis to criticize kind of a sitting president or administration. It is so unseemly for a former president to take the, the, the virtual commencement ceremony for a series of uh, historically black colleges and universities and turn it into a political drive-by shooting. Yes, what Obama did there was a political drive-by shooting. He really crip-walked all over America's norms. I mean, this was not the time for a rap battle because this is Donald Trump's movie and Obama is talking loudly during it. What a black day in American history. Look, there's no denying that Obama went out of his way to diss Trump in the speech. But I genuinely find it hilarious that Fox News, Fox News is gonna spend all day being offended about how a former president doesn't have decorum when the current president literally interrupted a pandemic briefing to remind everybody how he boned models. And I'm not saying literally like everyone says literally. I'm literally using literally, literally. Now, Obama wasn't the only politician who gave a commencement address this weekend. Nebraska Senator Ben Sass gave an address of his own. And guys, something tells me he's not handling quarantine well. Congratulations, graduates. This is a big moment. Not on graduating high school, but on making the journey down the stairs from your bedroom to the living room and putting on something slightly more formal than sweatpants. Congratulations, parents, teachers, and coaches. Not that there's really any meaningful distinction among those categories anymore at this point. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. Thanks a lot, China. We're all teachers now. I know I'm not supposed to say this, but you're not missing out on that much because honestly, nobody, and by nobody, I mean nobody, remembers anything about their high school graduation. In fact, a lot of us spend a lot of our lives trying to forget as much about high school as we possibly can. And in fact, there are a whole bunch of people who make a whole bunch of money by just trying to help other people forget high school. They're called psychologists. You know. Anyone can deliver a speech that inspires people, but it takes a real leader to deliver a commencement speech that makes you wish you had booked Ted Cruz. And if this is his commencement speech, I'd hate to hear his version of a birthday song. This could be your last one. This could be your last one. Statistically, you might not make it. So this weekend, everyone from President Obama 
So Senator Eeyore in Nebraska released their commencement addresses. But the biggest newsmaker of all saved his commencement address for today. And I'm talking, of course, about COVID-19. And so, in conclusion, class of 2020, let me leave you with the three lessons that changed my life. Firstly, let the haters fuel your grind. When I was just starting out, China acted like I didn't exist. Britain's prime minister treated me like a joke, and the US president said I was just another flu. But instead of losing hope, I remember what I learned from Taylor Swift, and I shook it off. I kept grinding, and thanks to the haters, I've traveled the world, I met all sorts of celebrities, and I've even made it to the White House, the second virus to do so right after Stephen Miller. Secondly, remember that you don't get anywhere alone. I could have ended up like so many other diseases, MERS, SARS, cooties, but I got to where I am thanks to the angels in my life. The people who dismissed science, the protesters who insisted on not wearing masks, and everyone who couldn't go three weeks without getting a haircut. You guys are my heroes. And finally, embrace the setbacks. When I failed in places like South Korea and New Zealand because they had a plan, a lot of people said my best days are behind me. And yeah, I was bummed. But I knew that if I found the countries with the right leadership for me, I might just get a second shot. So students, when people try to flatten your curve, just keep climbing. And remember, people don't need to believe in you. You just need to believe in yourself. And the sky is the limit, but not too high, because UV light is bad for me. Congrats, class of 2020. Rock on. You guys are on fleek. I will see you out there. That was something. When we come back, Jabuki Young Whites will look at how the mega rich are dealing with Corona. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. You know, we're all handling coronavirus in our own way, but some are having a better time of it than others. For more on this, we check in with Jabuki Young Whites. Thanks, Trevor. You know, this pandemic really has people thinking about different groups of people, from our essential workers to our healthcare providers. Yes, clap it up, give it up. But what about America's smallest minority? Affluent Americans. Because this virus affects rich people's bodies just as much as anyone else's. But thank God, rich people have one of the best antibodies around. Money! Wealthy escaping problem zones by chartering private jets, airlifting their entire families to a holiday home to, quote, sit it out. Folks who have second and third homes in West Palm Beach and uh, Nantucket, Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, in the Hamptons, certain grocery stores have been ransacked by the number of people flooding in. A rural county in Idaho that actually suddenly became a hotspot because it's a place where a lot of wealthy people have mm. second homes. Year-long Hamptons residents say the outbreak is leading to class warfare. It's just so good for them. That's awesome. Look, I'm not hating. I'm not. I'm just saying if you have enough money to go to your second, third, fourth home, at least let me quarantine in your first home. I should be laying by a pool instead of laying in front of the bathroom door while my roommate takes an hour long shower. Dan, are you done yet? Dan, your date can't smell you over Zoom. Dan. Dan, uh. 
But spending your quarantine in your vacation home is just for poor rich people. Mega rich people! <laughs> Run from Corona and the medical equipment runs with them. The luxury hotel company in Switzerland is now offering a COVID-19 hotel stay that can include a $500 coronavirus test. High-end clients called saying they wanted to wait out the shelter-in-place orders somewhere upscale and say they'd prefer to have medical care come to them. Concierge doctors who cater to rich people and celebrities have been selling tests to patients and their families even when they weren't showing symptoms. Only 1% of the population of Florida has been tested for coronavirus, but 100% of the residents of Fisher Island off Miami have gotten the antibody test. Now the residents purchased 1,800 test kits for the island's 800 families, as well as for their housekeepers. The island is only accessible by boat and has an average income of two and a half million dollars. Okay, okay, first of all, why are rich people still allowed to have private islands? Did we learn nothing from Jeffrey Epstein? The takeaway here is that money buys you access, whether it's to testing, to government relief, or to an eBay auction of that peach that Timothy Chalamet gist into and to call me by your name. I was so close to getting that peach, but the state of Georgia swooped in last minute because they wanted to make it their mascot. But honestly, having an island full of tests is only impressive if you're mega rich. If you're ultra rich, the coronavirus is just like anything else in your life. <laughs> Dope as Billionaire David Geffen is currently floating on the waters off the coast of the Caribbean on a $590 million super yacht. Fears about the coronavirus are boosting the market for luxurious underground bunkers, offering the rich and famous a place to ride out a pandemic with stockpiled food, blast-proof doors, escape helicopters. Wow. Oh my God. They got a luxury bunker with an escape helicopter. I didn't even know that was a type of helicopter. I thought that helicopters only came in sightseeing, emergency, and bachelorette date. And look, I don't care how nice they are. Luxury and bunker should not be next to each other. That's like chic jorts. Which actually, now that I say, might be kind of a look. Okay, yep, and sold. Okay, so yes, the rich are living a different quarantine life than us, sure, but I'm not mad because they're finally figuring out that they need us more than we need them. They can't survive without their housekeepers, their drivers, their cooks, their nannies. They can't even vacuum. They don't even know how to use the dishwasher and all you have to do is just put the little kerplunky thingy in it and close it. Just look at the real housewife who tried to clean her own toilet. And by clean, I mean contaminate. Second toilet, mom. You got this. No, it's my third toilet. <laughs> Damn! She's wiping down the toilet with the same brush she used to wash the bowl. Corona is the last infection that she needs to worry about. She looks like Donald Trump trying to give a woman a real orgasm. It's like, clearly you have not done this before. But I think we can all learn a very important lesson from this. A lot of people are seeing how well the affluent are doing during this crisis. And they're saying stuff like, OVERTHROW THE 1%! Or SOCIALISM NOW! Or EAT THE RICH! But remember, before you eat the rich, wash them off first because damn, look! That shit is nasty! Thank you so much, Jabuki. When we come back, 
I'll be talking to former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright about diplomacy in a global pandemic. Stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as Secretary of State. We discussed her new book, Hell and Other Destinations, and the global pandemic. Check it out. Madam Secretary, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm delighted to be with you. Thanks for asking me. Of course, anytime. You're always, always welcome as a guest. Uh, before we get into the interview, I know that you have one of the most impressive brooch collections and they all mean something. So I'm assuming that that V on your, on your lapel stands for something? Because uh, I spent the war in England, um, World War II, and my father broadcast for BBC. I listened to BBC every night and they, with kettle drums, would do the first five notes of Beethoven's fifth, da-da-da-dum, which in Morse code is V for victory. As somebody who grew up and lived through a war, you know, you, you had to do things like you had to wear masks as a child. You, you had government-imposed lockdowns that you and your family had to adhere to. Was there a different sentiment than there is now in terms of listening to the government and doing what is best for the population at large? Well, I was a little girl and I did what I was told, but I really do think that what was similar, and I'd love to talk about this a bit, is um, that the people had no control over where the bombs fell. They only had control over their behavior. And I think people did do what they were told to do. We spent the night in um, the cellar of the apartment building that we lived in, Mm -hmm. My father, when we moved out of London, was an air raid warden. And, um, you know, they, they had uh, um, blackouts and everything. And I think people did what they uh, were told to do. Uh, and their behavior made all the difference. Do you, do you think there's a reason we've seen such a shift in how people don't trust their governments now? Because, uh, you know, the, the, the American president, for instance, has said, Trump has said that he sees this like wartime. And yet his own administration gives conflicting instructions on what to do. The, the White House has coronavirus instructions, and yet he's tweeting out that people should go out and open America. So, you, you know, how, how do you think the American public should deal with a situation like this when the leader doesn't seem to have uh, a concise point of view? I think that is the whole problem, because in England, uh, Churchill had a view, um, and the government was trusted from everything that I can tell from my reading also, I think now there is complete confusion, mainly because the president keeps changing his mind. And so I think that he ha is the one that has contributed to what is already a difficult situation by changing what he's been saying and then saying he hasn't changed it. And so leadership makes all the difference. There's no question. The news that we're, we're all reading through today is the story of another inspector general, uh, inspector general who was fired by the administration. And, you know, lawmakers are saying it could have something to do with Saudi Arabia. Um, others are saying it's because the inspector general was investigating Mike Pompeo for using his, his staff to do non-official work duties like walking his dog or getting his laundry. You worked as secretary of state. Tell me, first of all, what that position is supposed to be or what, what you think is going wrong. And secondly, why, if... Uh, it, it is a big deal that the inspector generals are getting fired at the rate that they are. What I think is interesting is the inspector generals are in these departments to make sure 
the, that regulations and laws are carried out. They are inspector generals. Um, and there are a variety of things that come up in terms of um, about people and personnel matters and uh, regulations. So that is not unusual. What is unusual is to have them fired um, and then trying to figure out over what. Uh, and from what I've read in the papers, uh, it does, it, it's peculiar in terms of some of the, um, I mean, I had security people. They're not supposed to be doing errands for they're, they're there to worry about the security of the Secretary of State. And mm -hmm. then um, I think that firing not only him, but there are, I think, three others in other departments, the same thing. So people that are supposed to be the protectors of the rule of law are the ones that are being asked to leave, which makes one suspicious over how the administration sees the rule of law. It also feels like the Trump administration has gotten fairly comfortable dismissing people who are tasked with overseeing them as an administration. Is that something that Americans should worry about? Or is that merely just America's system working the way it's supposed to work and maybe people are not used to it? No, I do think that it's something that people need to worry about if it's uh, repeated, you know, in terms of how uh, public people that work in the government uh, and and I believe this from having worked in it a number of times, both on the legislative and executive side, are good, hardworking, loyal American citizens who want to do their job. And they do it for different administrations. And so to have the administration be suspicious of everybody um, and think that they're not uh, fulfilling their obligations to the Constitution is... Um, uh, peculiar, to say the least. No, this is very strange, I think. Your book has been really interesting because you have lived quite the life. Hell and Other Destinations is the title. Um, wh why that title? I mean, it, it, it feels like we're in hell. So are you telling us about other destinations we can go to? So I, I'll tell you, I chose the title uh, because it has something to do with um, the most famous statement I ever made was that there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Right. So. Um, and that statement was so famous that it ended up on a Starbucks cup. Um, and I did think that there were other destinations that women could help each other uh, to achieve. Um, I wrote the book before the uh, uh, corona uh, crisis. Um, and really, uh, I didn't focus on the fact that it was going to be so uh, absolutely clear, uh, you know, and so valid at the moment, because I do think we see uh, a horrible things going on, a type of hell, when we need to look for other destinations. So the fact that the title is so germane is a little bit of a surprise. Americans are asking the question every day, when will America be ready for a woman as president? It seems like this election, it won't happen, and people are wondering if it will ever happen in the future. It's interesting that you talk about women supporting other women, because I wonder, do you think that women have a special role to play in supporting each other when it comes to getting into elected office? Well, I, I do think that um, it's important for women to support each other, but I would never recommend that a woman vote for a woman that she disagreed with in terms of elected office. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are some that I certainly wouldn't vote for, but I do think that it helps if there's more than one woman in the room. What is so interesting now is that the countries that have managed to have some kind of control over the virus are the countries run by women. 
that is what's so fascinating. And, you know, like the Prime Minister of New Zealand and mm -hmm. then Taiwan um, and Finland and Germany and um, Denmark and Norway. And I think there are certain qualities about how women um, view their role in terms of, by the way, I think women are really good at multitasking because that's what we have to do, which means that we have peripheral vision, um, that we do care about how decisions are made, that we actually, if you want to put it in these terms, we don't want to divide our children so that one group hates the other. Um, and there are a variety of aspects in terms of how women come to power, which is mostly by trying to be helpful rather than kind of uh, having a lot of ego activities. So I do think, but as to the question, I, America likes to be first in everything. We are certainly not the first in terms of having a woman leader. Um, and I would hope very much at some point we would. It, it feels like global diplomacy, though, is, is, is about to take a bit of a knock. Um, just reading today about the, you know, the group of countries coming together to, to discuss the global pandemic right now. Um, there's clearly a rift in that there are many countries, such as Australia, who are saying they want to get to the heart of the pandemic. Where did the virus come from and how did it spread so quickly? Um, people always, people intimating that they're pointing fingers at China. China has come out and their representative said, this is not the time to, to be investigating the source of the virus. And it feels like the world is being set up for a moment where quite a few countries are gonna be looking to China for answers about what happened in Wuhan and how the virus spread around the world. How would you handle the situation? Because on the one hand, people want to hold a country accountable if they've done something that has hurt other countries. On the other hand, it seems like everybody is terrified of China. So how do you, how do you balance this out in dealing with them, but also you know, dealing with them as a partner? What you try to do in diplomacy is to solve problems, uh, not create them. Uh, and I do think that one of the issues here is what do we do now? Uh, because, as I said earlier, we're all interconnected on this, um, and the, the virus knows no borders. At okay. some point, there has to be an investigation of what happened. There's no question about that. But uh, what we need to do now is figure out ways that we can work together. An example that I've used is supposing that the Chinese were the ones that came up with the vaccine first. Would we say we don't want it? Um, and so... Uh, and the last thing we want to do is to have a so-called Cold War with the Chinese. A diplomat has to be able to do two things, or at least two things simultaneously. How to find the areas where we can cooperate, uh, which clearly, for instance, climate change is one of them, are now dealing with the virus, uh, and where we have to compete. And the kinds of things that the Chinese are doing in the South China Sea, claiming territory and um, undermining a variety of uh, laws that we've had on navigational freedom, that's bad. And we have to be able to figure out how to compete on that score and not get ourselves into a position where we're going to have a cold war with the Chinese. But it is a very difficult relationship, and it's only made worse now by uh, kind of have it be part of the, you know, politicizing it and having right. it be part of our elections. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. And... Um... I hope I get to see you uh, not through a lens the next time we speak. But I'm really glad to be with you because the last time we saw each other was at the National Democratic Institute where we were giving you the Democracy Award because humor is an important part of diplomacy and what you do every night makes a huge difference. And I'm so glad that we've met and that you invited me to come and be on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Madam Secretary. I appreciate you. Thank you.
Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, please remember that the COVID pandemic has taken a serious toll on many people's mental health. And here in the US, the Disaster Distress Helpline is trying to address this crisis. They've got counselors who are trained to meet the mental health needs of this unique situation. And if you're able to help, then all you need to do is donate whatever you can. If you'd like to support New Yorkers in crisis, then please donate to NYC Well, which is also providing free confidential mental health support. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wash your hands, and remember, dog food is just food if you don't have a dog. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 